everyone, welcome to Wake Dad, Drink, Repeat, the podcast that defines today's dad. I'm Anthony Palmer. And I'm Michael Smith Palmer. I've got a great one for you. Are you ready? Please, lay it on me. Did you hear about the guy whose whole left side got cut off? No. He's all right now. <laughs> See, this is the kind, <laughs> this is what I have been pulling for for the last 60 episodes, is this This is gold. Level You're, you've been jokes. pulling for gold. Thank you. This is gold, my friend. That... Now we're now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Yourself? I'm doing good, man. It's like fall. I love it. It's been it's temperatures just dropping to the nines. It's been nice. Yeah, it's, it's straight up chilly. Um, wearing wearing long sleeve everything and jackets uh, when we're outside. It's cold over here in the yeah. mountains already. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yes, I am. Uh, it is, man. I'm looking forward to our uh, our little trail run here in a couple of weeks because I think it's going to be cold. And I love it. I wear my leggings. Ooh. Let's talk about this. Yeah, let's stop this conversation. Let's right talk now. about the amazing episode that I'm very much looking forward to pressing play on, man. Man, we just got done recording this. Uh, we had Halloran Hilton Hill on the show today. And um, Halloran is a he's a radio TV host and producer. He's an author. He's a speaker. Um, he does training. He is uh, Mike's favorite term and mine very much so, especially after this episode, wisdom crusader. Um, he is a wisdom I crusader mean, and I was going to cut the, you off if you didn't say it. Breath of knowledge that I feel like was just dumped on us during this and just the way in which he went about saying it just was uh, such, such a good episode. It's incredible. And you know, the best thing happening right now now for the listeners and for you and I, huh. this is free content. Yeah. This is gold. This is gold knowledge, yeah. my friend. Yeah. Um, amazing individual. Um, honored to be able to take the time. And honestly, I was just, I soaked everything up like a sponge and I felt like I was being taught by the wise. Right. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, well, Halloran, thank you for, uh, thanks for talking with us, man. We are excited to share yeah. this. Um, guys, as always, Rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to find us on social media. We always love hearing from you guys. We appreciate the feedback. It's what helps us keep this show entertaining and keep us making it for you guys. Buddy, what are you drinking? Man, I am on some Russell Reserve tonight. Um, Unfortunately, just finished a bottle of it, but God, I love this stuff. What about Ooh, yourself? Very nice. Uh, Trusty Rusty, my my Glenfiddich 12-year scotch. There you go. Honestly, because since we got home from the beach, we haven't been out a lot. So like we're just digging deep in yeah. our liquor cabinet. Yeah. Like and we just we we need to go in a resupply. Like the room. emergency airplane bottles are getting cracked open at this point. You're exactly <laughs> right. You're like, oh, somebody gave me this nine years ago. Um it's it's that kind of depth that we're going through. But nonetheless, uh we'll we'll replenish very soon. No doubt, no doubt. Um well Guys, enjoy uh, this conversation with Halloran. It's a longer episode for us, uh, but it is it is worth every worth second of your time. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with uh, Halloran Hill. You guys enjoy. All right, everyone. Well, we are joined today by radio, TV host, and producer. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a trainer. He is the wisdom crusader, Mr. Halloran Hill. Halloran, thanks for joining us, man. Hey everybody, and uh, great to great to talk to you guys. I'm honored to be here. Oh man, we're Howard, man. 
Reading Wisdom Crusader, one makes everybody smile and grin from ear to ear, my friend. And um, I'm I'm very excited and have been for a while to actually uh, have some dialogue and conversation, um, not only about you and your story, but uh, about fatherhood story. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I keep um, I keep botching these introductions, and my wife keeps yelling at me every week about it, and I just keep forgetting. <laughs> I, I don't ever say how many. I should start saying how many kids that our guests have right at the top. So it's just well, we'll, boom, right we'll there. We'll get to it. So, but Halloran has you didn't do it again, so you're calling yourself. I know. Out I'm, I'm so calling we can myself fix out, it so in real time. It. Maybe it's I'll good. fix it. But no, Halloran's a dad of two. So, um, all right. Well, Halloran, we are the show that defines today's dad here at Wake Dad Drink Repeat. So before we get too far into this, we would love to hear your definition of a today's dad. Today's today's dad is is a um, father. Um, he is a friend. He is a coach. He is a counselor. Um, and today's dad is literally that. He is today's dad. In other word, in other words, he is a, a person that lives in the now. He's a shapeshifter. He becomes what is necessary to be for his children what they need in that moment. Not, and so I like to use the word now as an acrostic. Uh, now stands for noticing the moment that you're in, right? And when you notice the moment that you're in, owning that moment so that you can win that moment, right? And I think great fathers do that. They're, they're present. They are here today. They are today's dad. So today's dad is present. And oh, that was awesome. Again, man, ear to ear, more grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> I, I have a feeling this is going to happen a lot this evening. Yeah. I love that, man. That was, that was great. Thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, it was so, <laughs> I, I hate, I hate that as I'm listening to you say that, I, I'm thinking like, pandemic, COVID, election, racial injustice, everything equal everything that's going on in the in the country right now. Today. And it's today, like, the underscore of now. It, it just yeah. that definition just underscored all of that of just the conversations that so many of us are having to have with our kids and the and the things we're living through with our kids in, in ways that we most of us haven't um in years past. So it was uh it was, I love, I love the shapeshifter part. It's the first time we've heard the word shapeshifter in that yeah, definition. Yeah, it has been, <laughs> has been. Halloran, man, what, uh, I clearly we want to get in your backstory and you being a father, but like, I want to start kind of bigger scope because I think your definition very much went there. Today's time, exactly what Palmer just said. Talk about one, how you, you're doing personally on the COVID train. Um, and then with your kids, Palmer said you had two kids, but we didn't say that they're 32 and 26. So you are the, the older dad phase, um, of kids clearly, um, on the independent train. However, you still, they're never not your kids. So you're worrying about them left and right. And about how heavy these times are, man, it's gotta be, um, it's gotta be a unique situation. You know, um, so, you know, relative in, to the times that we're in right now, um, I've had some really interesting conversations with with uh, my children. I'm, we're at a different stage now. It's a it's a different kind of relationship, right? Sure. Um, 
my daughter is probably more verbal than my son, but they both are just really bright, good people. Um, but but I heard this guy say it this way one time. He said, from, from zero to 12, you're a cop. From 12 to 18, you're a coach. From 18 on, you're a counselor. Oh, man. I like that. So, so when they're little... You just tell them what to do, and they do it because you told them, tell them to. to do it. <laughs> In the middle, you tell them what to do, but then you got to give them a reason. You got to explain the game to them. Yeah. When they get beyond 18, they're in the game, and you provide advice on a request. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. And so, Counselor. Yeah. Right. And so I, I find myself in a different role now. Um, I don't really worry about my kids a lot. And um, I'm concerned for their well-being. When, when they're going through what we all go through, we all have these phases. When they go through a tight phase or a tough phase, um, I'm concerned about them. But I don't know that I worry because, well, maybe part of my backstory will help with this. Yeah. I am, um, uh, I'm the youngest of five children. There's a nine-year gap between me and my siblings because my parents uh, intended to stop at four, <laughs> right? My sister, yep, yep. my sister was the youngest of that set, and they finally got a daughter after three sons. They had the girl. They were done. Obviously, they were not done participating in the events that lead up to <laughs> yep. children. Yep. <laughs> but... um. So I'm born later in life, right? And my name is the, 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 the names that were thrown away through four children. <laughs> my mother liked the name Halloran because it, she had read it in a, in a novel excerpt in a magazine called the Saturday Evening Post. And this young man named Halloran, when faced with the moral dilemma of leaving the ranch to go off to the big city to have a great life, at the death of his father makes the decision to stay and take care of his mother. And this cosmopolitan woman from up North coming through on a stagecoach falls in love. And she brings the world of the big city to this little ranch. And he is rewarded for his loyalty to his mother. His name was Halloran. My mother loved that name. My father did not. I can not. see why. <laughs> I would imagine so. I would imagine so. My father did not like that name because he dies in the story, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> so I'm his replacement, right? <laughs> he didn't like Halloran. The name that he wanted was Hilton. And um, and my mother just she she didn't like that name, but he thought the brand Hilton Hotels and all that kind of stuff, and it and it's strictly derived that. from the hotel, from the, the hotel, right? Yeah, and okay. I think it had an added significance in that my parents grew up in the time of segregation. Yeah, and so they would drive past these beautiful hotels that they could not stay in. Yeah, and so I think there was an aspirational aspect to it as well. So sure. anyway. My mother turned so, pregnant. She, on, huh? on the on the name train, Halloran Hilton Hill. Is there a a story behind the alliteration of Triple H? Do, do all of your siblings run with very common? No, 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 no. 
that's just a happenstance. Literally, we're throwaway names. Right? <laughs> what I say, no, what I, say I literally mean it. No, I literally mean they have this child. My mom is rounding the corner uh, on 40 when I'm born. And uh, my dad is like 42 when I'm born. All right. They're like, you're having a what you're having a baby what, what's going on and yeah, yeah, what yeah. are we going to name it and so they reached into the bucket of <laughs> old names started names <laughs> smacked them on me <laughs> right so 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 here here's what here's what's interesting they had a plan for four children i think but here i come and there was no money set aside for college. There was no, you know, nothing. And so I, I ended up uh, going to college, of course. Um, but I ended up paying my way through college. Uh, and I paid my way through college with, with no student loans and uh, working three jobs. It took me eight years to finish college, but I paid for college in cash. So wow, we were on the quarter system and every quarter I would go to the rest registrar and I would count out cash, not incredible. a check. I, I wanted them to see the money. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see what I was paying for this education. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted right. them to see what they were charging me, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I started having these interesting conversations with my dad uh, toward the end of his life because he was born during the Great Depression and those men didn't cry. They, they were not emotional guys. Yeah, no. They weren't yeah. going to hug you and tell you they loved you. This, this wasn't that softness wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but toward the end of his life, we started having these really fascinating conversations. And he said to me, I said, um, he came to me when I was 16 or 17. And he said, I just need to have an honest, honest conversation with you. son. I said, okay. He said, I don't have the money for you to go to college. Not only do I not have it, but I can't borrow it. I've, you had two brothers, three brothers and a sister. They all went to private Christian school and boarding academies and then college. And oh my, I'm tapped out. He said, but I expect you to finish college. And then he said these magical words. He said, and I need you to figure it out. Wow. How and what age was this? I'm 17, 18 years old, something like that. Sure. Yep. That's so what'd that do to you? What'd that do to you? Well, you know, at that age to me, I would have just drank more that night with my friends. What, <laughs> right, what did you do? Right. Wait, <laughs> Dad, Dad, what you say? <laughs> but so um well, when I had this conversation with him, you know, he's in his 80s when I have this conversation. So why'd you say that to me? He said, because I knew you had it in you. And I wanted you to see what I saw. One, two, I wanted you to come to believe that you could always figure things out. Yeah. That you didn't yeah. live your life as a victim of circumstance. Yeah. Your cards, your dealt. You know, what are you what are you going to do? So you asked me worrying about my kids. Yeah. I think about them, but I, but I also believe in them. I believe they have a great capacity to figure and sort out their lives. And I want them to. Yeah. 
Sure, sure. I, I don't think you can develop the figure it out muscle without figuring things out. So if we're taking a, a math class, the way they make us proficient is by giving us problems. I was watching this documentary with uh, Doc Rivers and he said, uh, pressure is a privilege. And so I don't want to exempt my like kid from, from life's realities. And Absolutely. so I, I, I tend to take a step back and when they're going through tough times, I want to be present. I want to help them as much as I can. I do have the Cash App, <laughs> um, PayPal, Zelle. <laughs> There's a level of reality. I'm not saying that the faucet is turned off completely. I'm just saying I want them to figure it out a little bit. <laughs> right, but but That's I think awesome. they all. I think they also like. Um, demonstrating to me that thing and i think they like seeing in themselves that ability i think when you're when you're put in that position to 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 jump out jump off in the deep end by yourself right like there's a you're you're often i think set up to be able to potentially be more successful because you know you don't have that safety rope like because you because you know you have to be hungry enough to figure it out and, but, but that doesn't just come overnight. That's a thing that that foundation is laid through the years of when you're in cop mode, you know, from zero to 12. I mean, there's a lot of work that yeah. goes in at that phase to get them to where you can be in a spot. I would imagine to be able to be like, I'm not worried about them as much. I know I'm confident in their skills as humans. It doesn't mean that they're not going to fall on their face. It doesn't mean that life isn't going to be challenging at times, but it means that they have the skill set and the tools to navigate that versus yeah. knowing how to run and be rescued during that. Like that, those are, that's a huge, huge, huge thing. People, yeah. you know, there's a huge difference between pity and sympathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I've, I, I tell my, I've told my daughter this and my son this a lot. I say, don't get addicted to pity as fuel. It's a very inefficient fuel. It burns really fast. It doesn't burn clean and it doesn't add horsepower at all. And if you come to rely on that, then what happens is if you rely on pity as fuel, somebody going, Oh, you know, right. Look for it. Then you will keep sabotaging yourself so that you have a reason to be pitied. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that you'll end up pitiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Wow. Yeah. Hallard, where, uh, so you worked 97 jobs and paid straight up cash for college. <laughs> I did, I did, so, I did it. I did it. <laughs> so what? We did it. We what, did it. God did it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So keep, so where that takes you to where, because where you are now professionally is very creative space. It's media space, it's mm-hmm. music space, it's, um, it's, it's in the production realm of it, right? It's not necessarily like what I would think of business and you own your own company selling X, Y, or Z product because you kind of like nose in your books. You went the creative route. Mm-hmm. Um, where did that come from and how, like, take us on that train. Well, um, went to college. Um, I'm a nerd, so let's just get that 
Get that out in the open, and let's just let's deal with that. Let's deal. It's not dirty laundry. That's, right. That makes that makes for cool people, right? Right. So let's let's deal with Legos and and Star Trek and and you know, incredible. Let's, let's speak just, into your people, man. We're 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 down with that. <laughs> let's deal with the guy that always wants to know how something works. Yeah, sure. Right. I'm pulling stuff apart, and I'm you know so. To that end, um, I was just, I was just a, so let me, let me relate my development to my dad and then maybe mm-hmm. relate it to how I try, at least tried to rate, relate to my children. Sure, I don't please. know Absolutely. that I've been a good dad because the only way you know is if your children, right? That's the, sure. I know what I've yeah. attempted to do, but let's, if we ask them, you might get a, a different story, but you're, you're the maker. The proof is how they end up turning out. So, right. <laughs> so Godspeed and you, you hope for the best. But, um, my father was, he was fantastic. I don't, I'm not, and I'm not even sure he knew how fantastic he was. Right. I, I like to tell people that my father's name was Franklin Sidney Hill. The second. And um, he was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee in 1923. He was the oldest of seven. Wow. His father, Franklin Sr., fought in World War I, um, was an orphan. Um, he was found on the streets of Chattanooga. Uh, he lived off uh, eating out of garbage cans and sleeping under people's homes. The homes were wow. up on blocks. And the story that I've heard is that uh, this family heard rustling under their house, and they got a lantern. This is how long this ago this was. They get a lantern, and they see these little eyes under their house, and it's a little boy. That was my grandfather. He was taken into the steel home for children in Chattanooga, and he was raised by a wealthy um, white woman. She was an industri- the wife of an industrialist from Massachusetts, who had found her faith. Really interesting story. And and she and the circle of women were trying to figure out how they could give to missionaries going around the world. And they wanted to get into missions and people going to India or Africa or wherever they were going. And right around Reconstruction, when Black people came out of slavery, there was nowhere to if you were coming out of slavery, where were you going to go? Were you yeah. going to go down to the bank and set up a banking account, go down the street, buy a house, and you set up your business, get a business license? Yeah. No. Was, with, all that, with all that credit and everything you had. Yeah, that's right. Right, right. There's nowhere to go. So in despair, there were a lot of women who just abandoned their children or they gave up or whatever. And what I understand is that my grandmother just kind of just disappeared. We don't know where she my great-grandmother just disappeared, and we don't know where she went. My great-grandfather was heartbroken. He died. His first son died, leaving my, my grandfather, who's raised in this orphanage. So this woman knew that all of these children that had been kind of abandoned in the South, they didn't have anywhere to go. So she decides to set up an orphanage. She said, why go to Africa when you can go to Do something here? You can go to South Carolina. You can go to Tennessee. So he's taken into this orphanage. Um, his growth was stunted because he was malnourished. So he probably was five three, five four, 
maybe wow. a buck 35 soaking wet. Wow. Um, but he has seven kids and he ends up as a bicycle delivery guy for a pharmacy in Chattanooga. But he had a, a really sharp, keen mind. And he actually was a bit of an alchemist because he would mix the prescriptions and then put the name of the pharmacy on what he had just mixed. And then he would deliver it on his bicycle. Oh, my. <laughs> well, that was my father's father. Uh, and yeah. my father. And is that really smart? Like, put that in today's time. One, it wouldn't happen in today's time. But is that really smart? Or is that entrepreneurship in mind? Where, where does that go with mixing up uh, prescription meds and, and re-delivering it? That would be um, <laughs> <laughs> creative engineering. <laughs> But he, was, but he couldn't be a pharmacist. But he was a pharmacist, right? right? right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But he of couldn't course. go to school. Right. And he couldn't yeah. be acknowledged as that. Right. Yeah, right. So, but, but here's this creativity showing up. Absolutely. So, so my dad, so, so my grandfather, my understanding is that he became an alcoholic for a period of his life because he was self-medicating the PTSD that is born of racism. Here you are, you're a grown man, and people call you a boy your whole life, right? Yeah. You're treated as second class, less than. And my father played football for Howard High School, play on Friday nights, and he would finish playing on Friday night, and he would go and he would search the little bars around town till he found his little dad. He'd throw his dad on his shoulder and carry him home, dry him out, and get him dried out before the rest of the kids woke up. And so he was their de facto father. My father, however, had had this incredible belief that you could go beyond where you are. So from from you know, so where I am right now is Mars compared to where they were. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah, the moon. Yeah. We're not talking about the yeah, moon. Yeah. We're not we're yeah. talking Mars. It just it you know. This is just a, a, a just a simple stat, but slavery lasted for sixteen to seventeen generations. So, if you were born in generation three, that's such a scary. Just just the thought of being like you're three generations in. There's no even. There's not even a trend line that says you'll get out of that, come up, and then come up. Just not. So have you, I, I, you read this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm almost done with it. I, I have been reading it the last couple of days. Chilling. And, dude, I, I have never, I, it's, I held it up. It's a podcast for our listeners. It's Tanasi Coates's book, Between the World and Me. I have, I've wanted to throw up, punch a wall, cry, stop reading it. Like I, I have had so many emotions in, in like from paragraph to paragraph. Yeah. And there was one part I was just reading this afternoon. I'm not going to be able to find it off the top of my head, but it's exactly what you were just saying where he was talking about this idea of people being born and basically their parents being able to look at them when they were old enough to understand to be like, this is your life. Your life is getting your ass whipped, getting raped, being second class, if not less citizen working for a man, for another human who doesn't treat you as a human. And, and, and like, 
that's your life. Yeah, like, and that, and that is, that is your role as a human being. And then the idea of exactly what you were saying a, a second ago of when all of a sudden slavery was done and it was like, well, here's a couple <laughs> acres in Virginia, best of luck to you. Like, what the hell? How are you ever supposed to not wind up living underneath a house? Right. You know, right. As a kid, like it just, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just, no, no, no. it's literally sitting here staring at me as you're saying that. And I'm like, Oh my God. Well, what blows me away though is, how in the heck um, did my father find a cause for hope? I, yeah. And, I, and, and I'm going to specifically relate this to the power of a dad in a kid's life. My father wanted to get up out of there. He wanted to go to college. My father ended up getting a doctorate degree, and he was a minister for 50 years. And But here's the thing that I remember. My dad, um, my dad, his regular habit. And once again, that's a huge thing. Um, there is what we bequeath to our children through DNA. That's why it's an imperative that every man try to be the best version of yourself you can be because your wiring, your mindset is going to be transferred through your DNA. Just the basic element the instruction yeah. set that informs yeah. what they become and you have sure. children. And I know you've had this moment where your kids are doing something and you're going, I see me. Yeah. That's oh yeah. That. Yep. Both the That's good and the cool. bad, right? <laughs> right. Stuff And stuff you didn't teach them. Yeah. It's like, what, what in the world? So, yeah. so when you strive to be the best version of yourself, you can be, you're gifting future generations with a better version of this bloodline that you had, yeah. right? You're, you're, you're updating um, the profile on who we are. So my dad, I don't think he knew what he was doing in this, but he had hope and he had a love of learning. So he would go to the library just about every Sunday and he would get two books. He had this upholstered chair in the, in the corner of his room. And at night he would sit there and he would read. And he would read and he would read himself happy. And I would go to the children's section and I would get a little book and I would sit at my father's feet and I couldn't read as fast as he could read, but I could turn pages as fast as he turned pages. So <laughs> I, I just turned pages until my brain caught up and my brain caught up. Yeah. And my father had a big chalkboard in his office in the basement of his house. And he would write words and he would say, what does that word mean right there? And I would go, I don't know. And he would point to this big dictionary and make me look it up. And then he'd ask me to use it in the sim. But he was always sketching out ideas on a whiteboard. I had a huge whiteboard in my office back Huge here. whiteboard. I've got, I have four whiteboards two of them are six foot by four foot the ones in the other room are eight foot by four foot <laughs> you're a man that likes his whiteboards no my dad it's my dad <laughs> of course of course right? yeah yeah what was happening though is and and i want you guys to catch this concept that thing that gave my father joy i loved being in the energy of that yeah I wanted to be around that energy. It wasn't as much that I loved reading as much as I loved to be in the energy of joy. I wanted yeah. to be in the energy. He did not know that he was encoding me 
for that, to be attracted to that by the fact that he was attracted to that. So let me let me break it down to you. If you mountain bike and you absolutely love it and you take the kids out there while you're doing it, they're going to absorb not just loving bikes, what they actually love is the energy, the energy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I'm taking this, um, I've been studying positive psychology and I'm taking this comprehensive character strengths test. It's 250 questions and it renders the top five character strengths that you have. And my number one character strength is love of learning. And my father never sat down with me and said, son, the most important thing that you need to do is have a love of learning. Yeah, sure. I absorbed that from him. Yep. Yep. We're teaching them (laughs) by who and how we are. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. Right? Right. So he gifted me that, right? He gifted me this curiosity, this love of learning because of the way he was. I go to college, I'm pre-med. I'm chemistry, biology, double major, and I'm, in, I'm actually enjoying it. Yeah. I'm act, uh, wow. But my wow. love, my deeper love was communication. And I didn't understand why until maybe a decade ago. My mother really battled with depression I've had my own battles with depression. And on Friday nights, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. And I still try to, I've kind of got a remix on it now, but I try to observe the Sabbath. I think we all need one day a week where we unplug from the things that drain us and plug into the things. Sure, yeah. Um, But Friday nights, I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't really listen to the radio. uh, the house would just be quiet, but she would let me listen to this Christian radio station and they took requests and I would call in and they would take your request live on the air. And when I would go and turn on all the radios in the house and then I would call the radio station and the guy thought he, he was taking a request. I was taking over his show for, for 30 seconds <laughs> because in my mind, I'm on the radio. Did you introduce yourself to the Halloran segment of his show? Right, right, right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, guys, to the Halloran segment. You got to put your hand up here. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, anyway, when my mother would hear me on the radio, she would get happy. And I made a subconscious connection between the power of communication to bring joy to somebody. And I just, I wanted to be a doctor. I thought I was going to be a plastic surgeon. A number of my friends are physicians, a lot of them that I went to school with. And we were sitting around, um, we started studying for the MCAT our freshman year. We were like, we're going to study not only our lessons, but we're going to start studying for the MCAT our freshman year. So by the time we get to time to take it, we will be so familiar with it that we may There's not that hunger. There's that hunger right. piece, right? Figure it out. Indeed. Yeah. So we're sitting around and saying, What's, what are you going to do when you write your essay? And then they bring you in for an interview. What are you, you going to tell them about why you want to be a doctor? And this circle of friends that I have, they were all saying things like, 
I want to heal the world and cure cancer and build a clinic in Papua New Guinea. And, you know, and uh, so they come around a circle to me and I said, I want to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. That's good. Good for you. And, and when, but when I heard myself say that, yeah, I, when I heard myself say that, I was like, Bro, you, that is not a reason to be a doctor, bro. <laughs> that is, and I felt, I felt bad about that. And I asked myself, what do I really love? And what I really loved was communication. I didn't know why, but there was something in sure. there. So yeah, I took off on, on that journey, not knowing where it would take me. A lot of people thought that's not a real job. You won't make real money. You won't, you know, and I was a bit ashamed of that stepping away from a, potential medical career to be a, a radio guy. Um, but I followed that. And that gift that my father gave me, that love of learning, uh, thrills and inspires me to this very day. Like today, like today, I was in my garage working out and I was listening to an audio book. Yeah. And I was thrilled by what I was learning. Yeah. And that is the that is the force of a dad. So my daughter works at the University of Wyoming. She finished her MFA in creative writing at SCAD. And she works at the University of Wyoming. When I moved her from Savannah to Asheville, one of you guys is in Asheville. Yeah, I'm in Asheville. I moved her up there from Savannah and the furniture was easy. It was the books. <laughs> She's got books and books mm-hmm. and books. My son has got books and books. Uh, he's working on his master's, and I'm sitting there going, there it is. There it is, right? Wisdom crusader, my friend. Right. So I That's think incredible. I was shaped by my dad, but not just his actions. I was shaped by his joys. <clears throat> Do you think we've talked about this on some other episodes before? This idea of, or this this thought, I guess, is dads have become more involved. And I'm putting air quotes around that because we all know that dads are involved, but it's just the scale of being a dad has changed. Clearly, um, the we've talked about before, like sharing your hobbies with your kids because your hobbies and your passions with your kids because you want to expose them to other things, but also because you, those, those are easy opportunities to be able to connect with them. Right. And then in the same breath, being open to their hobbies and interest and trying to really engage with them and meet them at their level on the things that excite them. Right. Because just as much as you got excited being at your dad's feet when he was reading and being in that space, when his energy was out, like my daughter, Anderson, she is, she's nine. She is as, she's too smart for her own good. Right. And she's just this super, she wants to know the answers to everything. She wants to dig in on everything. I mean, we, we spend more time watching national geographic documentaries and we watch anything else when we do TV stuff. Right. But that's just her. And like a lot of times at night when we read together, we're reading like these Nat Geo books where we're learning about different species and all this kind of stuff. But it's so like, I love watching her tick when that's her thing. Right. And like, I love to read. I love to learn not necessarily about the stuff that she does, but like that sense of engagement lifts her up and makes her more 
excited about doing that. Like, so take everything that you just said, how much of that did you do with your kids? Um, as far as sharing in like those hobbies and interests, making them or not making them, but having them engage in those things with you or you engaging in those with them when they were younger. Not enough. Yeah. Not enough. Your generation is getting so much better at that. Um, I was, I think the first decade as a dad, I was caught up in being a provider. Okay. So easy to do. I'm running from poverty. And so, um, guys from my generation and before we, we felt like we were putting up numbers by, you got a car, you got a house, you got clothing, we got you through college, you know, you have everything you need and most of what you want. And so I'm a good provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a funny thing is when, when my kids give me birthday cards or, you know, you know, stuff like that, they always mention the fact that, wow, you, you did a great job of taking care of us. Um, I don't know that if you sat down with them and said, dad was always there playing with us. I played with them. I did that. I did that stuff. Sure. If I had to go back and do it, um, I would have, I would have given them more of my undivided attention. I would have been much more present. I would have been, I would have been much more efficient in my work too. I think I would have, I think I would have been, I would have pushed harder for efficiency. I would have, I would have taken much better care of my health. I would have gotten more sleep. So that in that window of time that I'm working, I could just crush it so that I could walk away with it without any performance gain. Easier said than done, man. I mean, that's the, that's yeah. the, that's the game, right? Is, is balancing that. The game and the climb that you're after. Yeah. Right. And, and then hindsight, it's, it's easy to say looking back on it, but when you're in the thick of it, that, that is the day to day suck of trying to find that balance and trying to. And especially when you're climbing out of poverty, that tips the scale, right? Un, oh, yeah. un, unnaturally. I mean, that that is your leading catalyst at whatever cost because you missing a baseball game, easy example, um, that's, that's worth it because you're climbing out of poverty, right? No matter what, anybody would applaud that. Um, however, it's at the expense of um, – and, and when you're living that chapter, that's got to be – that's got to be incredibly, incredibly challenging to live through. So can can we go there for a second, this idea of the, the climbing out? And I want to, I want to relate it into your world, less about your journey through college and then your early years as a professional, but really more as you're climbing out as a dad and you have kids, like, because the reality is, is we're, we're living in a time right now where we're talking a lot about just minorities in this country and black lives in this country. And the, I think a lot of light is being shown. Thank God. Um, but a lot of light is being shown on just the, um, I hate to say unfairness, but I mean, just it's reality. The, yeah. Just the way the scales are tilted and how, how much harder it is to come to, to make that climb as a black man than it is as a white man. How much of that was a conversation? Like, was that a conversation with your kids? Was that a thing you all talked about, about your struggle and, and, and journey through that in, in a way of trying to be able to project them 
forward or more in just sharing that story or am I just way off base in that question? <laughs> no, I don't, we haven't had a lot. We've had some conversations, but I haven't had like, okay, this is what you got to do, right? Um, the world's unfair, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I haven't, I haven't come at that light that way. Um, but I think, and that's why I started with what we absorb. So, so we have what's in us and then we have what's around us. Right. Right. Um, I just think they've seen me deal with it and seeing me deal with it and continue to press through, um, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Little E, he knew a lot about racing before he ever got in the car. He yeah. knew a lot about the emotion of racing just because he had seen his dad go around the track enough. And he had been around him on days when he won races, lost races, that kind of thing. And so I think that's what happened um, with them is they saw me press through it. Sure. Now, later in their life, I think they can look back and go, dang, dude, I see that was a little bit harder than you made it look. So I, I didn't sit down and go, because I, once again, I don't fundamentally believe that seeing yourself as a victim gives you an advantage. Right. Back to the pity card. Yeah. Right. I, I just yeah. don't. I, it just doesn't. It doesn't seem to serve anything. I think, I think creativity. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. And so, so what happens is when you process tough things in your life, first of all, you get to keep the wisdom that you learn from processing that thing. And Ray Dalio says, if you process that thing and you learn, you extract the wisdom from it. And then you realize that that is a category of problems that you can apply the wisdom extracted across the entire category. So when you find something similar, you already got the algorithm, you already got the code, right? Yeah. So I always tried to at least live in a way where, okay, it's a little bit harder. It's this is different. This is more difficult, but boy, did it stoke my creativity Mm -hmm. um, in a way that that really helped me. But I think they, they're sensitive to that going on. But I, I don't know that I talked about it a lot. I think they just saw me press through. Sure. Well, I just think it's it's one of those things that I think we all we all struggle with that. I, at times, that idea of like how much you let your kids on do the challenges that you're facing, right? Because there's there's there are great learning opportunities within that of, right. of how to share that with them. But it all comes at stages of life and and really what it is. But um, I think. You're on your uh, on your website. It's there's a there's a line. By the way, my, my website is so awful. And just so <laughs> so that we are all in agreement, right? We all are like, dude, don't you know somebody? Just let's let's just make sure we're clear about that. <laughs> but I promise you. But I promise you, in 2021, boom, it's going to be spectacular. Well, hey, uh, hey, having one is better than not right. having one. I will tell there's you, there's that level, Mike. Mike's gotten very good at Squarespace. So if you need a guy, he, uh, I right. know. <laughs> no joke. I'm, I'm not a website dude, but Squarespace makes you a website dude. It's worth considering. <laughs> but I like you, you had this, you had, there's this quote there about how you, you 
work to grow and help others grow. And I feel like absolutely or that your philosophy is to grow and help others grow. And I feel like for however long it is that we've been talking now, like that, that is so underscored in everything that you've said, just that ability yeah. of, and you can see why, because you, you look at this idea of how your dad grew and how that helped to make you grow. And then your yep. willingness to share that with others. An uh, empowering story. Yeah. An ability to, an ability to put it into word as well. Um, yeah. It's, it's powerful. And, and, and just letting that distill into your kids naturally and, in and, and being in your presence and the way in which you, you tackle things. I just think that's a really, it's, um, there's a, there's a good reason that that's like one of the top lines in your about me section, because that is that man, you, you live and yeah. breathe that philosophy. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no doubt about it. I, yep. I want to, it's, it's who I want to be. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's when it, when it's all said and done, it's, it's who I want to be. Um, this new book that I'm working on, is called joy one one really grew out of a corporate thing that I started doing a few years ago called Joy 101, Toolkit for the Well-Lived Life. And I have these two phrases, um, enjoy your work and enjoy your life. And I love words. And so the word enjoy has two parts. It has the prefix E-N and then the word joy. Um, the prefix E-N means to make, cause, or create. So when you enjoy your life. You just dropped so much knowledge on me right? on the word enjoy. <laughs> He's helping you grow, brother. He's helping you grow. Incredible, man. Incredible. So, so when you enjoy your life, you literally have moved from passive to active. Yeah. You've decided to become an engineer of joy. Right? Yeah. Right? Amazing. You you try to figure out how to make and and the field of positive psychology has really tried to I'm a I'm a I need stories, but I also need data. Right. I like motivation, but I like replicable science. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it and so, real. And so they've really tried to hone in on general psychology. It's been focused on, you know, dysfunction. What do you do about dysfunction? Positive psychology is the science of well-being. Right. Yeah. And so they what they found is that people that live with a great sense of joy or well-being, they do certain things. They engineer it by the patterns and habits of of action and thought. Right. And that became very attractive to me because I'm like, wait a minute. So what you're saying is I literally could make joy. I could make it. I could make a great, greater sense of well-being. And I could do that by reformatting or reprogramming my brain. It's perspective, right? The brain that I was born with is not the brain that I'm stuck with. Ah, mm -hmm. that feels like hope. And so for me, that meant a whole, it means a whole lot because it means I can, I can be better. I can, I can do life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember what it was like to be in the wake of, of my father's joy. So I've been working on helping people find 
a set of tools that they can use to bring more joy into their life. One neat thing about joy is they did this they did this experiment. They took a group of people and they divided them into optimist and pessimist, positive, negative people right. who had a little joy, people who were a little negative. They did medical and psychological evaluations of the people. And then they used a nasal diffuser to squirt the rhinovirus into their nose, which causes the common cold. Yeah. Then they wanted to see how sick they got. And they were literally down to measuring when they would blow their nose, they were measuring the amount of mucus and they were doing all of this stuff. Turns out that your body has an, uh, it has a, a protein called IL-6 or interleukin-6 that drives inflammation. That when a person has a more joyful heart or greater sense of well-being, it suppresses yeah. the production of a very specific protein and makes your immune system more robust. So the people who were more joyful either didn't get sick at all or their recovery time was incredible. And that was just one of the, that was just That's one mile right there. Right. <laughs> right. Some thought, is that why men are so much grumpier when we're sick? Is that, is that like a gender thing too? <laughs> Absolutely. man. <laughs> So, and then when I found out that the number one warrior skill of, I, I go down these rabbit holes and I was studying Navy SEALs and special forces guys. I'm reading all these books. One of them that I would recommend is The Warrior Elite by Dick Couch. And um, the number one skill that all the great warriors have is optimism. They literally believe they can win any fight they're in. Yeah. They go in with their hip like, no, what are we, what are we going to do? We're, that's Goliath over there, David. I got some rocks. So let's go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's so I, and so I said, man, if, 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 I could, if I could be part of helping people find the tools to elevate their level of joy so that their quality of life is better, that's what I want to do. I don't, I don't know how I can get to that. And if I could build that into my friends and family and, you know, seeing my, my, my kids come around to that at first, when your dad is doing all this stuff, like, oh, he's there with that joy. Right. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's, it equals mowing the lawn. It, it's, it's just, right, right. Uh, it's, it's just work something else for dad's doing. Right. Yes, exactly. Halloran, have you read, um, the obstacle is the way by Ryan holiday? I have. So I'm, that's my, I, I, I like to read his stuff like a chapter a day. So I'm, I'm on that one right now. And it's, I mean, everything you were just saying reminded me so much of some of the recent chapters I've read in there of just that, that idea of how you really can, regardless of what your, how your brain is wired. And for some people it's harder than others, right? But you can, you can adjust your perspective on things. And again, to what I was just, what I was asking you about earlier with your kids, like, I got done reading that chapter on perspective the other morning. I typically read it when I get up and was making breakfast for my daughter and we were sitting at the table and was drinking my coffee and she's eating her breakfast. And I was like, you know, I, cause she's doing virtual learning. So, which has just been a, I mean, as a fourth grader, it sucks. Right. I mean, she's home. She's not with her friends. It's horrible. Um, and we've been having a lot more real and honest conversations about just the challenges 
for her socially and emotionally with that lately. And I was kind of saying to her, like, yeah, it's funny. I just got done reading this chapter about perspective. And, you know, I was thinking about how we've been able to go ride our bikes at lunch. We've been able to go swim in the neighbor's pool at lunch. We've painted a wall in the office with, you know, blackboard chalk. And we have a wall that we can just draw on whenever we want. And like all this stuff that it's not equal to being with your friends. It's not the same as being at school. But there's these opportunities that are afforded to us right now that we're never going to get in our life again, hopefully, <laughs> right? Like we're, hopefully you will never be home for a school year ever again. <laughs> but it's like that. I think her, I think being able to have that conversation with her and talk to her about that on meet her at her level with where she is, but let her know that I'm working on that too as her dad. Yeah. And as an adult, like those are those things that are really unique opportunities. I think that where we're mm-hmm. able to show our kids that path. And that that they're not alone in it. We're all we're all constantly working to be better versions of ourselves. And for parents in that young space, we need to framing is very important, right? Yeah. H- how we frame our day to days with our kids being home and day to day with our kids, them not being in school. If we've taken that path, which you and I have, um, it's the framing and call it silver lining, call it perspective, call it whatever it is. But um, it's it's highly important to keep that top of mind and just like. Helen was talking about like the energy that you put out, the, the experience that you're putting out and make it joy, man, because, um, 20 years down the road, when this is in our rear view mirror again, hopefully, um, there'll, there'll be a lot of silver linings and I bet we'll look back on the cool moments, not the quarantine yeah. negative aspect of it. Um, as a, it's, it'll be a rare thing, hopefully that we got to experience with our kids. I mean, I want to commend you guys on not on this work, first of all, because, you know, you creating a platform where you can have these conversations that is so dynamic and so powerful. But then also thank you. you guys are taking the time to to be with your children. That's today's dad. I mean, that's that's rich and, and that's real that um, that you take or make the time for that. Um, those are things I, I, I would have, I would want to do better. Um, I, my, my kids are healthy and, and going forward with their life. And, um, but, uh, when I look back, I go, Hmm. And I, and, and I don't know, um, I'm a box checker and a goal setter, right? Yeah. I, I, I have to write it on my whiteboard and put literally put boxes by it. Yeah. Right. Um, and do you write down, make a box list on your whiteboard <laughs> just so you that's can check first, that box? That's the up first top. line every day. <laughs> make boxes. Right? <laughs> Progress. Check that one. <laughs> right. But I'd, I, all great things start with great intention. <clears throat> and I, now that I think about it, I, I, if I'd known this, when you're young, you're so self-obsessed. Um, but I think I would have just stopped and said, I did this probably when I got to 35. I started to think this way. But I wish I'd just stopped and said, if I had to visualize the outcome. You know, Stephen Covey in Seven Habits talks about visualizing yourself at your funeral. And there are going to be people there 
somebody mm-hmm. from your business world, somebody from your family, somebody from your church, somebody, all these people that represent the spokes on your life. And they're going to say something about you. And he asks you to ask yourself the question, what do you want them to say? Then are you living in a way where they will arrive at that sentence on that day? Right. Yep. Yeah. And I think I, I wish I just said, okay, what, what does being today's dad really look like? How does that show up? What, what, what does that look like? That, you know, so uh, I'm in Wyoming. I'm working at a university. I feel a sense of self-worth and confidence because I know that I deeply and profoundly loved by my father. Um, as I go into relationships, I feel confident about who I am as a woman and a person because I was always affirmed but challenged by my father. He is a friend. He is a mentor. He's somebody that I look up to. He's somebody that I respect. He's somebody that I want to take care of. And when, you know, when he gets older, my son to say, if, if I could, if I could live the way that he's taught me to live, but do it my way, I would be honored to do that. I think I would have thought about those things. And then I would have asked myself, are you being present enough to do that? That's number one. But number two, and this, this is probably the thing that this is a hard thing to say and to put out there, but it's real. What I'm about to say to you is real. And to really work hard at being a really good dad. Once I define it, what, what a good dad is, and, and I need a lot of input in order to get the mm-hmm. definition right for my kids. But to do it, not so people think that I'm a good dad, so that yeah. I can get credit. That's huge, right. So that's that huge. I get credit because if I'm just trying to be a good dad so that other people and they will say that I'm a good dad, that was Don't about Don't be a public me. good dad. That yeah, was, it's not public dadding. Absolutely. Right. That was about me. It wasn't about them. Yeah. Yeah. What I want them to do is go off and go to them, go to Mars themselves to feel like they have a sense of purpose and then to go do something great with their lives. Not so they can honor me, but so that they can live up to what they were called to. Yep. That intention, man, that, that is the, that is the name of the game, right? It can't be for self-fulfilling glamour reasons because that that's empty. Um, that that's a march that's not worth going down for fatherhood. Um, it, and it's a important differentiator. Are you doing it for you or are you doing it for your kids? Um, it's, it's a huge question to ask. And as much, I ask it every day, man. Um, Palmer and I both work out of the house. We're the stay at home more so than not. And COVID world for me, I, I, I'm hard pressed to say that because so yeah. is my wife. She'd yell at me if I said that now. But I can still play. But in <laughs> yeah, correct, um, your wife gets to go to the hospital and be a doctor. She's she's very very important in this world right now. Um, but like it's a every day, I want to make sure I don't take. I tell myself every day not to take any of it for granted. Like every single bit of this matters as much as it might be a 15 minute break of we're not doing homeschooling. We're jumping on the trampoline. Every single moment matters. Like that's, I tell myself that all the time. And then even at the end of the day, I'm still like self-reflective of like, man, I, I could have done better. Like, right. Every single time. Cause I have work to do. I have, I have obligations to do. So it's, it's no matter what, it's that balance and making sure that you are, you're, you're paying merit to the check boxes that deserve merit and you're not wasting time. Cause right now it's very easy to waste time as well. You know what I'm finding um, myself doing more now 
And it's probably because we're thinking about it more because we're just on all the time now. And and this goes maybe kind of what you were just saying, Halloran. Like I, I'm finding myself writing, be it in my notebook that I write in or just as I'm sitting here working or whatever of just like, give yourself more grace, like be a little bit less hard on yourself yeah, about like exactly yeah. what Mike was just saying, because it is so easy to get caught up in like, God, I popped at my kids today. And I mean, I did the other day. I was, I think I told Michelle, I think, I think it was last Thursday. I was telling Michelle, like, I just was not a good parent today. And like, it's so defeating feeling. You're just like, God, I'm just over the kids. I just want them not to be around me. I just got nothing done. I just feel like it was an unproductive as hell day. I was constantly in my head. I couldn't even shake myself out of it when I was working out. And then it was like at the end of the day, I think I wrote like four times, like give yourself grace, get off your back. Tomorrow's a new day. Shut the hell up. You know, like just <laughs> good, dude, you're good. This is like you, you, you have to, you got to give yourself some credit here. Um, That's a great note. I, I would, I would tag team on that. Just one thing. Um, taking care of yourself is not selfishness. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So Self, self-care is paramount. So, I, so I always think of myself, um, early in my life, I think, you know, some men have this, we want to climb mountains and put a stake in the ground and we want to go out and kill it and drag it, bring it home. You know, I ride motorcycles. I drive fast cars. I'm, I'm that guy, right? I'm one of those guys too. Um, so you may be on a bit of a power trip, but I think there's a transom you cross where you move from what I call power trips to power strips. So a power trip is about the acquisition of power. But if you have a power strip, that's about the distribution of power, right? Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. You, have, you have everything plugged into you. You got kids, your wife, your work plugged into you. But if you're not plugged in, you have zero power to give. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when you find yourself out of balance is when you haven't taken care of you. And I, and, and I really do think that every man has to have what I call, every person has to have what I call rituals of reset. You figure like it out. That. You figure it out. How to, how to prime yourself so that you can show up the way you need to, to show up, right? And then you, you build these rituals so that you can, you can stay up. And I, I, I would have done more of that. I would, have taken, I would have taken time to feed my mind, my body, and my spirit so that I, so that I could be available. And, yes. and I would have been ruthless about pruning my life. It is, I think that is one of the hardest things, that idea of putting your oxygen mask on first, right? And I mean, I can't tell you, so when my wife and I met, our daughter was two. She was my daughter's from, or my wife's from her first marriage, Um, but I I adopted her and she's 100% mine. But I, I remember so many people when we got married saying to me, just from a friendly point of view of like, Hey, make sure you're, you're taking care of yourself. Like that's a big jump going from single to married and with a kid and, and whatnot. And it's something that I've always failed at is 
not prioritizing yourself first, but being able to take to, to prioritize taking care of yourself. And I, it is to what Mike was saying a minute ago, the silver lining of COVID. I've done so damn good this year. <laughs> I mean, it took a minute. It took a minute. But like sure. once we got into the routine, it's like, man, I got my shit together this year. Like, I, I'm, I'm you're wearing I'm like you're wearing you're physically wearing a shirt that says "Ride Your Bike." You're wearing these very blatant self motivation no, messages. Man, I'm telling you, like I am, I am. But but, but it, I would not be surviving right now if if I love that line, Halloran. Rituals of reset, like that. That's it, man. Yeah, that's like, huge. That's it. That's great. And if it's waking up at five o'clock in the morning to have an hour to yourself or if it's staying up Do an it. extra hour in the evening or whatever it. it is like, but it is so crucial. It is so crucial to our survival and our ability to provide our ability to be present, our ability to be engaged. Like you have to have that. You have to have that. And it's, uh, I, I, I love rituals of reset. I absolutely love that phrase. That's perfect. That's great. I, I you know, I, I ride my bike, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> good man, man. You, over my Not shirt. only because of Palmer's shirt. Yeah, like he over, wrote it before over, you over saw his shirt, you right? See, you see some dumbbells over there. Uh, yeah, uh, on top of a keyboard. Is that right? <laughs> do you like? Right? Do you like? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know if you multitask while doing that. That's what I want to know. I've been thinking of this whole episode. I haven't listened to anything else you've said. <laughs> I wrote my third movement to my concert. Uh, Piece while lifting I was, iron. I was an absolute workaholic, and I didn't take really good care of myself, and so I, I'm paying for it later in my life. But now, oh man, now I, I love getting up early. I get up before everybody. Yeah, I wake, as you guys say. Yeah, I say get up because I need that golden hour to do yeah. my thing. I, I, yeah. I got a couple of tools that I've developed. One of them is called five, five, five. I call it the, the 1% solution. 15 minutes is 1% of your day. Five minutes reading something positive or motivational, five minutes in silent meditation and five minutes kind of walking through the Lord's prayer. Cause it was the perfect prayer and it has these little pockets in it. Um, the, uh, the little stations in the Lord's prayer are perfect because, you know, you say, give us this day, our daily bread. You can just stop there and, and just talk to God about what you need. Uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You can unload all your baggage. You can forgive yourself, forgive everybody else and receive forgiveness. Lead us not into temptation. You can just stop there and go, Hey, this is the temptation I'm dealing with today. Can I, lay that off on you and there's the deliver us part deliver yeah. us from evil would you put a bubble around us the the thing i love about that though is it starts with the word hour mm -hmm. so you dump off all your selfishness and everything that i want for myself i want for you right yeah and so that little five 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 thing for me is one of my rituals or reset and then i write in my gratitude journal yeah because i'm trying to to prime my brain and in the gratitude journal, you write down three things for which you're grateful. You write down three things that would make the day great. You write a positive affirmation that starts with I am. And then at night, right before you go to bed, you write down three amazing things that happened today. And so what, what happens is, is you write down three things for which to be grateful, whether you do it once a week or every day, what starts to happen is, uh, Martin Seligman said that we are not homo sapiens, sapiens being wise, we're homo prospectus. We are <laughs> prospecting. Yeah. Right? And we prospect for what we expect. 
So if I'm writing down every day things for which I'm grateful, after a minute, as your wiring starts to change, you start to expect to find things for which you are grateful, right? And it's not that there are more of them. It's just that you're more open to it. So you buy a a red Porsche and you start seeing red Porsches everywhere. You, you, You buy a new mountain bike and you start seeing specialized you know you know so so but when you write down three things i will do to make the day great you're wiring yourself to expect to have agency that you're going to make something happen and then when you write down at night three amazing things that happen to you you are verifying that amazing things happen to you every day and even on your worst day right right because for something to be amazing, it doesn't have to be positive. It just has to be amazing, right? Right. And so what happens is you find after about 67 days of that, that's when habits start to find real traction. 18 months is when the wiring starts to change. But about about 67 days after that, there's a shift that happens to your mindset. There's this shift that happens. Because you're waking up and you're going, what am I grateful for? That's that's your first thought. And you're going to bed thinking, man, amazing stuff happened for me. So now, as you prospect, you expect something totally different out of your life. And that's what you experience. And I kind of use that tool in the morning and at night. I bracket my day with that. And so my days become more hopeful. I expect good things to happen. Yeah. Wow. How long? Thank you. It's like you should be a public speaker. <laughs> One day. You're good at this. Pray, I don't know if you need to do this or not, but you're good at this. Pray, pray for me. Pray for me. One day, man, that I can get, I can get it together. Cause I really want to do that. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, to, I'm going to shift gears into a normal uh, question that I love asking yeah, um, sure. all of our guests. Um, Sorry for let talking me, so much. No, man. No, don't, dude, don't you dare apologize ever apologize. This is a podcast. If we wanted uh, to choose another medium where people talked less, we would have chose something else. <laughs> um, so, Halloran, tell me about Tell me about the moment. Let me do math. I, Palmer hates when I say this. 32 um, years and nine months ago. Tell me about that moment you realized you were going to be a dad. Tell, tell me like what that did to you as a guy, try, like as we discussed, like climbing out of poverty in this world life and how, how your life was stacked. Like what, what did that do the second you found out that you were going to be a dad? Um, Hemi. Turbo, <laughs> supercharger. I, um, I see where you're going with this. God, it lit a fire under me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and what it in did. in the in the efforts of in I the efforts like, of what not to fail on a personal level or to provide for kids or like what do you think? What do you think the main was, driver was? It was I have a responsibility. Yeah, yeah. That was the thing that hit me was there's no backstop. There's nobody to turn to. There's yeah. not, you don't come from money. There's no, you're not going to have a nanny and you're not, bro. Yeah. Guess what? If you don't make something out of your life, you're not just messing it up for you now. Now. <laughs> so yeah. that's, yeah. that's one thing that, that hit me right on was 
you're responsible and I joyfully embrace the responsibility. Okay. Yeah. Let's go do it. It focused we're, me we're, though. Like that focused me like nobody's business. I remember I was in school and I was trying to finish up and my grades went through the roof. Yeah. I was, I was already doing pretty good, but it just went insane. Wow. I don't, I don't, I just started to dominate in the classroom. I was, I was so serious. Good for you, man. That's a good driver. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was serious about every bit of it. So I think that's one of the things that happened to me was that was that's cool. The weight of responsibility, the joy of responsibility. Yeah, that's cool. Go to uh, like f- flip the tables of this. Your kids are here. Uh, it's a long journey. Um, it, it's a never ending journey. Talk talk about like the most challenging moment um, through fatherhood. That can be something that happened yesterday. Let's be honest. But like, what what do you find being like the largest hurdle that you went through? I think maybe the you mean in being a dad yeah yeah through fatherhood yeah i think probably the largest hurdle that i went through being a being a dad was learning to let my children be who they want to be mm, that's good they, they they do not at all need in any way to be an updated version of me sure sure yeah. Um, and you know, I, there's a part of me as a box checker, I, I want to program their lives. I want to go, Hey, why don't you, you to be the, the new Apple 12, <laughs> you know, why don't you, why don't you go in this direction in your life? You should, you should, you know, I wanted them to come to work with me and my company. They don't want to yeah. come to work with me and my company. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, we're not going to stand around there getting boxes checked on us all day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yep. so dad. Appreciate it. <laughs> I, th- I think there was a, there was a window of time that I, I wanted to, you know, okay, you need to do this, this, and this you need, you have the ability to go in this direction. You should go in this direction. I remember my son was in banking for instance. And, but that wasn't his thing. But I'm like, bro, all you got to do is just hang out. You're <laughs> halfway handsome guy. You're smart. If you can swing that golf club and if you can, if you can learn, <laughs> if you can learn the country club chuckle <laughs> and man, <laughs> you'll be all right. You'll be all right. <laughs> So I think that is he there? Might have been the no, no. He's doing his. <laughs> he's he's working in in tech and he's getting a, a master's in. Good for him. In um, new media communications or something. Wow. He's learning all wow. this stuff, the data stuff. Nice, very cool, and he's fantastic. Um, hey, Howard, this is well. Before we get to rapid fire, this is something that's I have to I have to throw out there. So my wife and I, our first date we went on was the Knoxville Jazz Orchestra's Christmas concert, like which I grew ah. up doing and being at. And I think I think you sang at it that year when we went. Oh, and I was I was thinking this morning about talking with you today. And I, I like I don't think it had hit me yet that because we've gone we've gone every year since on our first like that's for every year to celebrate our first date, we go, you know, to the jazz concert. And I grew up going to it with my parents or my mom and I used to just go all the time. And I was like, man, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Like it broke me. I started thinking about it. I was like, that sucks. 
So I just had to share that with you because I, I, oh, uh, I have many joyous memories of, of, uh, of seeing you there a couple times and everything. And, um, I just, I'm love, I love music, man. I love music. Broken that that's probably not going to happen this year. Yeah. I love music too. Uh, um, Howler, man, before we uh, get into our segment that uh, we call rapid fire questions, uh, tell us about uh, the kind of the end. You brought up very quickly uh, Joy 101. Mm. But tell me, um, tell me about when, when's it come out? When's it published? Uh, uh, plug, plug the junk out of, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. out so, of your upcoming book, man. Uh, first quarter next year, uh, book nice. in, a, in, a, in a video course. Very um, nice. cool. And I'm working on a live weekend experience. So uh, I'm hoping once we get past COVID to invite people to come and, and spend a weekend with me talking about um, bringing, bringing new levels of well-being in, in their life. And so um, Very I'm cool. excited about awesome. it. Um, That's incredible. We, we, we're looking at different things, tools that people can use for well-being. Um, the framework for positive psychology is called PERMA. PERMA is an acronym for positive emotions, engagement, positive relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. And so in Joy 101, we kind of deal with um, the fact that you can wire yourself for more well-being. Uh, number one, um, gratitude um, being at the core. Um, and I spell gratitude, G-R-A-T-T-I-T-U-D-E, because I talk about not only gratitude, but having a positive attitude. I like um, so I pull them together. And um, so gratitude is one of the most reliable ways to generate positive emotions, right? And so if you want to be in the business of making the energy that you want to live in, gratitude is a great way to do that. I, I talk about positive relationships. They say that in relationships, uh, the ratio of positive to negative needs to be about five to one positive to negative in business. They say three to one um, for you to thrive. Uh, there's a great book on marriage that's out today that's built on that framework called Happy Together that I think you guys would love. Yeah, we talk about positive relationships. Uh, we talk about um, the happy brain pyramid. So in order for you to have a joyful life, you have to have the kind of brain that supports that will house joy yeah and so exercise sleep and nutrition become really important yeah uh, so that you so that you have the kind of vitality that will maintain joy we talk about work of course working with joyful excellence that there's a real joy that is generated from excellence so whatever you do striving for mastery is another way to generate a level of joy. Yeah. We talk about goal setting and growth that when, when you have, when you set and achieve goals, even if they're small ones, one of the things that it gives you is a sense of momentum. Like you feel like your life is moving in a direction. So always setting and achieving goals will give your life kind of a momentum. And that feels like motion. It feels like you're, uh, doing well, but then the box checking, man, that's like, I'm a, I'm a list person. Cause yeah. I like that. Yeah. There's something about getting through the day and crossing it all off. You're like, yeah. so when we talk about meaning and purpose is making sure that your highest gifts and abilities are attached to meaning and purpose, that you're leveraging your strengths so that you are using them 
to do something that has a higher meaning or purpose in your life. And giving is a way to do that. So finding the right space to give, right? Uh, and, and that portfolio of things comes with a set of habits. And that if you would do those habits, it, 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 it gives you a little toolkit for maintaining a, a great sense of well-being in your life. And sometimes you will use more of this one than that one. Um, but if you've got the toolkit, then you can kind of generate that kind of joy in your life. And it's worked a lot for me, but the companies and the people that I've shared it with, they report back to me like, dude, this, this stuff works. Yeah, so that's incredible. That's, that's what we're building around. And, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That's great, man. That sounds so, really something exciting. you should truly be proud of, honestly. And, um, we will, uh, we will certainly keep tabs on you. And the second it's published, man, uh, we'd love to put nothing more than post and push it out to our, uh, audience listener base. Just so our listeners I would, I would um, know so when honored. it's published. I would yeah, be man, so I, honored. Uh, yeah, man. And, and likewise, come man, back and talk about it fun. a little bit more. Even we'd, we'd love yeah, to absolutely. hear more about it. That's, that's great stuff. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, Haller and sir, are you ready for wake dead, drink, repeat rapid fire questions? Roll with it, bro. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Wake dead, drink, repeat rapid fire questions. As we say here on the show, say the first thing that comes to mind. There are no wrong answers, but don't get it wrong. All right. You understand? I do. All right. Good for you. I don't know. Most people don't. Um, all right. Question. <laughs> question number one for you, sir. Drink of choice. Sparkling lemonade. Good for you, man. It sounds very refreshing. It's very hot in my house right now for some reason. So that's <laughs> um, Next question. Biggest lesson that you've learned as a dad. Listen. Good. Can't go wrong. Question. Question number three, most annoying song, show, or movie that your kids have made you listen to a thousand times over? Veggie you might have to dig deep. Veggie Tales. That's a oh first. Oh my goodness. That came, that that came so fast. Yeah, that, was, that felt a little pent up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you can't often talk about that. Do we need to, do we need to have a sidebar and talk about Veggie Tales real quick? <laughs> oh man. Veggie. That's our first Veggie Tales answer, man. That's great. That's great. Which is surprising because it's a really horrible. Like I, I'm, I'm having some flashbacks. I'm having a little PTSD it's, it's now that you said it. It's like something it's, that can get under parents' skin pretty. And I admire that guy so much. He made so much money off it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. You, you know who it's great for? Kids. It's right. great for kids, guys. Let's be honest. <laughs> um. All right. Favorite thing, and you can answer for when they were younger or now. However, best you want to answer it. But favorite thing to do with your kids. Date day with my daughter and my annual trip with my son. Yeah. Ooh, awesome. My son was uh, is a, a violinist. He studied a violin at UT, graduated. He's a classical violinist. And we huh. would pick uh, some major violinist that he loved, and we would take a plane and go to a major concert, and he would explain what I didn't understand. That's oh, awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Shared passions. That's great. Um, on that note, uh, your favorite band doesn't have to be a band musician. Phrase it however you want. Mm. Uh, Steely Dan. Ooh, another first. Very nice answer, sir. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, best part about being a dad. 
love. I'm loving these one word answers. They're it's weird. So it's weird. If Mike and I look weird, it's because we don't like normally our <laughs> rapid fire is like 30 minutes. Like we just don't. Mike and I, Mike and I never keep it short. So it's weird. These are somebody's these actually participating the right way. <laughs> these are such good answers. All right. Last and final question for you, Halloran. Um, <laughs> what trait of your own um, do you hope your kids inherit or in model? Creativity, creativity, because I think, I think love and creativity will take you further because creativity gives you the ability to solve problems and life is going to be full of those. But if you have creativity to match the challenges you face, um, you'll overcome the problems and you'll gain wisdom in the process and Creativity has brought so much love, I mean, and joy to my life. I, I love I love creativity, too, because it's a, also, it reminds me of my freedom, because I'm free to try things and do things, and, uh, you know, so creativity, yeah. That's a great answer. Man, so well done. A plus. Scream, like, if they were weighted averages, A plus plus at 104, I don't know whatever number we need to get. Mike's, Mike's got this thing where he likes to grade people on this, and it's a weird sliding scale. <laughs> it's, it just it's baseless. Episode episode, just varies so much. <laughs> Here's the matrix. It's baseless. It doesn't matter. It's made up. <laughs> I don't consider other variables. It's it's really it's, there's don't put a lot of weight into it. He doesn't. He doesn't. All right. Well, Halloran, before we let you go, man, um, tell tell the listeners here where they can find you. You've got a whole bunch of stuff. You're you have your show. Anything is possible. Um, you're on ninety eight point seven in Knoxville or the surrounding areas. But I mean, just give give our listeners where they can find you on social media and all your all your jazz. So I'm at Halloran on Twitter, but I don't do a lot of social media at all. That's another conversation. My website is HalloranHill.com, which is in need of love and care. (laughs) Um, I'm on the radio every day on News Talk 98.7 WIOKI in Knoxville from 3 to 7 p.m. We do current events, talk radio. Um, NewsTalk987.com is the website for that television show is anything is possible great stories about great people whose lives prove that almost anything is possible year 17 almost 500 episodes in gearing up for year 18 it's on it's a w- great show IR. you've had some great I interviews on that show and um it's we also post the youtube and facebook and the book and uh video course uh, joy 101 coming in spring of 2021 and uh I hope you'll grab that and add some joy to your life. No doubt. Halloran, you are a busy man. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining Halloran us on the Duke. podcast, man. This was a, this was a wonderful, um, a wonderful conversation to have. Thank you guys so much. What an honor to be with you, man. And you guys be blessed. I look forward to talking to you again. All right, man. Thank Cheers. you. Halloran. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. I, Absolutely love that today's dad definition. I hate that I feel like I chalked it up to <laughs> COVID and everything. And really, I, it was more than COVID. It was just where we are as a country right now. But this idea of uh, today's dad being a father, a friend, a coach, a counselor, a shapeshifter. Um, Incredible. You know, 
knowing, having the ability, not just the ability, but the wherewithal to become whatever is necessary for his children, for their needs in those moments. Um, I, and then just, again, we, we hear the word present, but it's, it's yet again, the word present with a different meaning for a different person than when we've heard it before on the show. I mean, it just, I loved, loved his definition. I've so loved a lot at the top and bottom of the show, but it was, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot of joy right now. My boy, (laughs) I'm feeling a lot of joy. joy, I'm just saying. (laughs) He's very, Hmm. let's, let's break down based on like guests and past guests. Halloran is very good speaker period. Nobody would dispute that. He's very good at saying terms, right. And then backing that up with a definition, which makes it very digestible. And that that's what makes his definition so good and impactful and powerful on a personal level. I mean, I think you and I went to today's world of COVID and lockdown and all that kind of stuff right afterwards because he well, made the emphasis, kids, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and he made the emphasis on a dad in today's land, a world. Like he kept saying today's dad in a today's world, today's emphasis today, today, today. And today's world is heavy, man. And we need a father and we need a friend and we need a coach and a counselor. Um, and it's it was so much takeaway from not only the today's dad definition, but the whole episode, man, was, oh, yeah. um, it was so on point for me, man. I'm so, I'm so pleased, um, with this opportunity that we had. I couldn't agree with you more. There's one thing we don't normally do this. Um, but the, we, we've already decided the episode title, um, of it being pressure as a privilege. And when mm, Halloran yeah. said that, yep. I, I, that idea of, and we talked about it a lot in the episode, but that just that idea of, being set up to be able to be challenged and, and knowing that the tools and the systems are in place to get you through it. I, I just, that, that resounded through the, throughout the episode. And I just, I, ugh. so on point, it's a great, it's a great, again, kind of like your whole thing you were just saying about the terms and then explaining it. It's like that idea of pressure being a privilege is all about life. shifting your perspective, which is what we spent so much of this conversation talking about of this yeah. rewiring. And uh, it's just, it's good stuff, man. It was good stuff. He, he, he took what he was handed, and in many people's scenarios, it would be a negative tone or negative book that was handed to him yeah. right in life. And he, the way he delivered it makes me come out of it saying he really, like, I almost want to say he was delivered the perfect storm to be able to overcome this. <laughs> like, right. right. But like it was, it's, it's perspective and it's framing and it's the way he, not only him, but his dad delivered it to him. And then he ran with the torch and um, was able to rise above it and passed it, man. Um, and it's, it's incredible, man. It's cool. Think about how many of our guests, though, that we've we've felt similarly about that that idea of Indeed. looking at a shitty hand that was dealt to them and being able to capitalize on it or or, mm-hmm. or look at it from the standpoint of mm-hmm. I can I'm gonna overcome I'm gonna do better you know and 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 it's and maybe that's maybe that's a theme for people being. I hate to say successful, but being able to to drive and move forward is this idea of being able to to kind of or, push and or get, su- success is such a Im- immeasurable term, you know. Sure. Um, but, but it's this uh, hunger, hunger and drive to overcome, right? Yes, yes, yeah. um, and that that that's 
that's delivered and ingrained in you in different ways um, and being able to be delivered and ingrained in you in a very humble and authentic way yeah. um, that, that, that tends to, to deliver incredible results from people that have that same trait. Um, it really does. Yeah. It's not the, it's not the easy track by any means, but um, it, it, it gets incredible and inspiring um, and in humble results on the other side of it, which is great. It's amazing. Agree uh, more, guys, man. we talked about a metric shit ton of amazing <laughs> stuff in this episode. As always, um, our show notes um, are in this episode description and check it out at wakedaddrinkrepeat.com. We will have Halloran's Today's Dad Definition video posted up there as well. Please check it out because we did discuss so much and we promise all of you the second uh, Joy 101 is published, we will circle back with Halloran and make sure that um, we push out uh, all that information on there so we can all stay in that loop. No doubt. Guys, if you missed it, uh, this past Friday, our Rick House for the month of September came out. We had a fantastic lineup of guests in September. Please do not miss that episode. Um, and for those that don't know, our Rick House is where we recap all of our today's dad definitions from uh, over the course of the month. And I'm telling you right now, the October lineup coming out swinging with Hallerans, man. It's going to be it's going to be another good month on the pod. Indeed, indeed, man. We rise above when we're on lockdown. Um, <laughs> silver lining. All right. Um, guys, as always, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you for being part of this week, Dad Drink Repeat community. Please share this fellow podcast with said fellow dad. Please remember to wake dad, drink, repeat. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Our show music is written and performed by Jordan Burris and produced by Jordan Burris and Asher Smith. We always love hearing from you. Head to wakedadrinkrepeat.com, send us guest recommendations, or give us your thoughts on the show.